you're listening to episode one of eight minute movies knives eight a podcast talking about the 2019 movie knives out in eight minute chunks presented by me kieran and him peter oh it's been a while how how are you doing peter how am i doing oh i am doing okay life is hectic for various reasons i'm not going to go into at the moment mm. but uh but i am doing just all right how are you uh i am fine i did some light exercise yesterday and now i'm too tired to continue living mm, i was um, there to witness it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's it's gotten worse uh it turns mm. out that if you if you don't use your legs for two years and then you do uh they they're bad they're bad legs um <laughs> that's right keep at it the situation improved yeah I was very yeah. recently in very much the same predicament <laughs> yeah i know i know right um yeah. So, um, my notes say introduce the concept. So, we, this is the third season of this, which makes it the most longest running of any of my weird projects. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, hopefully by now you know the gist. I mean, I was talking to the listener there, Peter, not you. I, I, I really hope you understand how the podcast you, you works. You might need to give me a refresher. <laughs> so, uh, we take a lovingly produced televisual feast of a film and we slice it into succulent eight minute chunks. Um, I don't like the way this metaphor is going. And then we, then we chew them for you, the listener and regurgitate them. You, in... you didn't write this, did you? You're and, just and making I'm, this up. I, yeah, I'm sorry, I, am, I, I am. I am winging this. Oh. <laughs> and can you tell? Um, I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so so we we take a movie we break it up into eight minute chunks we talk about each of the eight minute chunks for like 45 minutes with at least an hour and 10 minutes of digressions yes um and um at the end of it all we've all enjoyed a film together in a, a way that the people involved in the film were not expecting or are desirous of that sounds about right, yes. Uh, we have arbitrarily cut this film into eight-minute chunks, mm. and uh, uh, and we would not recommend for you to do the same. I, I chose the number eight um, based on my careful research into cinematography, um, and not because it was just one of the first numbers I thought of. Mm-hmm. Kind of lucky I didn't think of like a hundred because, like, wow, that would be a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have done that one. Hundred minute movies. Yeah, no, we only talk about the first hundred minutes of a film. Everything Hello. after that, if it hasn't got good by then, forget yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, some films are just nineteen minutes long. What, what, what do you do there? We just sit in stoic silence for the last 10 minutes of like, I, I feel like we're in one of those digressions already. Um, it seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. So, um, so moving on. So this season, we're going to be talking about Knives Out, which is kind of a little bit of a departure from our previous two series. Series is already plural. Um, the previous series is seasons of this. Um, we have covered uh, the thing and Alien, uh, two classic sci-fi horror films. And Knives Out isn't a sci-fi horror film; it's a murder mystery film. And it isn't 
40 years old. It's four years old. Yes, this, so this is a, a little bit different. And I think another way in which it is a bit different to what we've done before is this is a film that we are both quite big fans of. Yeah, I, I would still say I've seen it more than you because I've got that brain thing. But um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you are still much more of a re-watcher of films than I am mm. in general, so you will have seen it. And also, we are still retaining the thing where you tend to do all of the research and I just ride your coattails. Oh. <laughs> through this <laughs> through this experience. Yeah, thinking about it now, what a fucking chump I've been dedicating days to writing notes for this one. <laughs> I could have just made you do it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, but um uh, yeah, the reason we picked knives out is because um we both really like it and there's a lot going on. Um it's a sort of really excellent modern take on the whodunit. Um, sort of really deftly switching between genres a couple of times as it ticks through the movie. Mm. I I am a real big fan of murder mysteries and whodunits and all that kind of thing. And like when I saw this, I was blown away by how good it were. Yeah, and I would say I'm not quite as big on the genre as a whole but i do like it a lot i, I mm. I've, I've watched a lot of them i like them uh and uh i think this is a really good one of those uh and uh, i think we both uh i think we both saw it together actually at first um, oh yes oh yes we did <laughs> yeah and uh, uh we both really liked it and we've watched it together a few times since then and uh just when the topic came up of which one to do next uh we thought of maybe just just carrying on along the theme that we'd done before and then one of us i don't even remember which one of us mentioned this one and it just felt like something that would be a, a nice change all right but let, let's face it the reason we're doing uh knives out is that one of us thought of knives eight and like once that was done we could not use it <laughs> I think that was you, and that did actually seal the deal. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, in my notes, it says, have you seen Knives Out, Peter? I have seen Knives Out several times. Yeah, and, and I was with you uh, for many of those times. I don't know why that question is there. Um <laughs> Oh, let's go for let's. Uh, we we started with this with uh, Alien and possibly the thing I can't remember, uh, where we read the Google synopsis of the film and kind of gave that a little, you know, a little spicy analysis. Okay. Or, or spicy anal, as the kids say. Uh... <laughs> Google synopsis of the film: uh, Harlan Thromby, a reputable crime novelist, is found dead after his 85th birthday celebrations. However, as Detective Benoit Blanc investigates the case, it unravels a ploy of sinister intentions. Oh, that's that's good. I, I like that it uses the word ploy. How often do you mm -hmm. get to say ploy? Not say, that often. Say ploy, Peter. Ploy. Ploy. Oh, it's quite See, fun. It's, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's got that plosive. Everyone at home is glad that we bought these um, you know, pop screens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna use that more now. Ploy. Um ploy. 
but yeah, it's a good synopsis. It's some up the um the the film without revealing any of its uh, secrets or anything. That's that's nice because uh, sometimes they just baldfacedly tell you who the killer is in the plot mm. synopsis, which I'm not really a fan of. Oh dear, is this a good time to tell people to stop listening to this? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, what, what just just in general? Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> I wow wow, are you that uncommitted to the project at this point? Just just stop listening, listeners. Yeah, if you're, li- uh, if you're uh, listening at this point, cease. <laughs> I've changed my mind about this whole thing. Look, we're going to keep talking, but yeah. you might as well just if if any oh. of you if any of you are still listening at this point, we're very disappointed in you. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, th- I think what he's trying to say is that this is a murder mystery film, and from here on in, it's going to be really spoiler heavy. We can probably avoid that for the next uh, half an hour or so. Yeah, but but after that, you're going to find out who the killer is and all that kind of stuff, and we don't want that to be the way you enter act with this movie i i was trying to remember the word experience but fine we're going with interact um yeah, go go and watch knives out just in case any of you were tempted to watch this in eight minute chunks and then listen to our podcast about that eight minutes and and experience the film that way which as we've said is a terrible idea people keep doing it i think yeah. just to anger me <laughs> um we will be talking about things that happen later in the film <laughs> as well. Reference will be made to events you might not know about yet. Mm. So do that approach at your own risk. Or yeah. as I might otherwise say, don't do that approach. <laughs> okay. That was um, taking your medicine today. Fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Going back to the movie summary, just very briefly. Um, I sort of noticed while reading it out and while you know looking it up that there's there's a certain vibe you have to get into for writing these movie summaries. Um, it, it's kind of hard to describe, but it has to be like a um a you know descriptive sentence at the start, you know, a little bit more, and then at the end it's like oh, enticing thing to drag you into watching the movie, and like they all like it. <laughs> so- <laughs> I suppose when it's your job, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, I, you get into a formula, but but it works as well. Which is like, I read that as synopsis, and I was like, "Ooh, a ploy of sinister intentions." I was like, "I know the ploy of sinister intentions. I've watched the film perhaps twenty times now." <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so. Um, we usually start these things, um, with a little, a little bit about the movie, which is basically me cut, copy pasting the description from Wikipedia, but like, you know, I've got dulcet tones. So, you know, why don't you just chill out and why you're like, oh, Kieran, why don't you write your own synopsis? Why do you steal it from Wikipedia? Like, just stop. Okay. Just stop. Very confrontational, this podcast, um, with the listener. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I do. I do apologise. Um, we like to provide a hostile listening <laughs> environment. <laughs> uh, Knives Out is a 2019 American mystery film written and directed by Ryan Johnson and produced by Johnson and Ram Bergman. 
It follows a master detective investigating the death of the patriarch of a wealthy, dysfunctional family. The film features an ensemble cast, including Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Catherine Langford, Jaden Martell, and Christopher Plummer. Johnson came up with a basic concept for Knives Out in 2005 and decided to make the film after finishing Looper in 2012. However, due to his involvement in Star Wars The Last Jedi, he was not able to complete the screenplay until 2017. The film was announced the year after and sold to distributors during the 2018 Toronto International Film Festival. Filming was completed in just three months from October to December 2018. How um how was Knives Out received, Peter? This is a question for you. Uh from what I recall uh at the time, because this was in my memory now, because it's not like I have to guess a bit like with Alien and, mm. and the thing. From what I recall, <laughs> this was pretty universally uh well received. The film received critical acclaim, particularly for its screenplay, direction, and acting. And from a budget of forty million, how much did it gross, Peter? Oh, I saw this recently when I was looking it on, uh, look, looking it up on the Wikipedia page. You're not um, seeing, whoa! You're not allowed to look at the Wikipedia page. That's cheating. I, I wasn't like revising for the <laughs> oh test my, or anything. Oh was, my <laughs> god! I can't believe we're not even fifteen minutes into the first podcast, and you confess. To your crime of cheating. Uh, I'm going to say about 80 million, but I think it might be a lot more, actually. $311 million worldwide. Ooh. At the 77th uh, Golden Globe Awards, it received three nominations in the musical or comedy category. That's that's kind of a weird grouping, but fine. Um, uh, While also receiving Best Original Screenplay nominations at the um, British Academy of Film Awards and the Academy Awards. Um, Okay, here's here's another question for you. Where did the title come from, Peter? Knives Out. Where does Knives Out come from? Well, the only thing that I know it as is a Radiohead song. Yeah, I knew you'd get it. It's uh, from the 2001 Radiohead song Knives Out. Johnson said... Obviously, the movie has nothing to do with that song, but the turn of phrase is always stuck in my head, and it seemed like a great title for a murder mystery. And I agree. There you go. I, uh, I, I, I was pleased. I was pleased that you picked that one up. Good. Uh, I was going to mention it later uh, when the title card appears, but uh, this will do. <laughs> well, why don't you do it twice, and then we've got even more content for the listener. Mm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I personally love uh, murder mysteries and whodunits. I think it came from, um, you know how we usually talk about how I saw movies as a child that I probably wasn't supposed to see. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this one, it, it was fine, I guess. It was Clue. You've, you've seen Clue, Peter? I've seen Clue, yes. Yeah, and I, I like I was just so fascinated by it. Like, you know, it's such a good period piece and it's funny because it's a you know it's it's sort of a send-up of the genre while also kind of being a whodunit right um and um famously it's got three different endings that they picked one at random for different cinemas uh and that was what a treat that was i i i just love the idea of like a movie where you go and see it one night and like your friends go and see it another night and then you you can't agree on what the ending <laughs> of the film was. That's incredible. Um, 
but yeah, I, I've always liked that sort of thing. I I used to watch um I used to watch Poirot with my dad and um Columbo with my dad, and um I think that just sort of imbued those films and show. I say film because like Columbo episodes are like two fucking hours long. Um, I, I mean we've watched a lot of Columbo together, haven't we? Yeah, no, I'm. But also, I I I have had a I did a project like with friends a long time ago. What's well, that project? It was just some dumb shit we were doing where we were watching Columbo episodes and uh, skipping to like. 10 15 minutes in and starting the episode from there <laughs> because uh I don't know if you know listener but uh the start of a Columbo episode is basically you witnessing who the murderer is and what happened like you know and how the murder was done and then the rest of the episode is Columbo figuring out you know what what happened and catching the person so it's um it's not a who done it really more of a how catch them yes um, and uh, now i'm going to guess that this approach didn't work yep no it was it was dreadful we did it yep. for like four or five episodes but it turns out that columbo only spends time with the murderer so yeah. uh, <laughs> like the structure of the show is him just pestering the murderer until they <laughs> give up and go yeah all right it was me i killed them please leave me alone <laughs> yes um, basically <laughs> Uh, um, I love Columbo, and by by now we uh, we have watched quite a lot of Columbo together. I, yeah. I would say uh, just because it's a it's a good thing to have on in the background while you're doing other things <laughs> like uh, making games, which is a mm. thing we sometimes do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I would say we're so familiar with that at this point that we've kind of developed a weird. <laughs> um, version of Columbo <laughs> as a character that only slightly resemble, resembles the actual Columbo that we <laughs> like I, to riff on occasionally. I, d- I don't know. No, at, at the risk of treading on the um, treading on the toes of the Columbo podcast, which is um, another great podcast you should go and listen to, and one I would have done myself if it hadn't already been done at least twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as Columbo goes on, he sort of becomes more and more of a parody of himself. So, like, he, they started filming it in the 1970s and ended in 2003, I think. So, like, you know, by the end, it's uh, he he's he's just all of the Columbo stereotypes being deployed one after another. <laughs> the early seasons are better, is what we're saying. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, Knives Out was kind of a weird one because I I heard nothing about it at all before it came out. In fact, I only became aware of it uh, when I was walking uh, along Lewisham High Street and a bus went by. Yeah, I was with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a um, with like uh, the Knives Out poster on the side, and they were dressed they were dressed sty- in stylized clothes like the colors of the pieces from a cluedo game mm. and i was like oh okay I, I i don't know what this film is but i'm going to see it um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, i think my initial reaction to seeing that at the same time was i uh, well first of all i just saw like a the big name of an old radiohead song on the side <laughs> of the bus which which just made me do a bit of a double take and then i was like oh this film looks interesting yeah 
you, you, you saw the bus go by and you were like, ah, oh, what is this frightening metal beast? And I was like, it's okay, Peter. It's just a bus. It's fine. Um, look, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, though, at that point, I feel like we resolved to see the film. Yes. And, uh, and when we did watch it, I'm, I'm so proud of myself because by the end of the film, I'd come up with two theories as to what was going on. And one of them was correct. And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, mm. I, um, uh, I, I know we often talk about my reaction to movies uh, and subtext to be in that Garth Marenghi quote. You know, yeah. I uh, um, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> so, uh, so normally I watch films and I'm like head empty, no thoughts all the way through until the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but this this one like really clicked with me, and I was just sitting there going, "But what about this? What about this? And like, what about that one thing?" And there was something I picked up on. That I was just worrying at the whole movie to the sort of detriment of it. Really, was. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't really paying attention during some other scenes because I was like, "But why did that happen?" <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to that at some point in this podcast. Well, d- despite being the sort of person who gets really into trying to solve puzzles and things like that, um, I find that I tend to be more of the head empty sort when I'm actually watching. Mm. Uh, a film, so usually I don't figure out the whole who done it of it, or even really spend a lot of time thinking about that when I'm actually watching the film. I just kind mm. of let the experience of it wash over me, and then I'm usually pleasantly surprised at the end of it. <laughs> Title of your sex tape. <laughs> um. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think it's time for two back-to-back games, Peter. Two two games. The first of which is lengthy and possibly ill thought out, but it nevertheless they're here. Mm. <laughs> um, are you are you ready for a game? Uh, sure. I I mean I have I've got no choice here. Uh, no, you don't. As the listeners know, uh, if they've listened to the previous series, we we are very serious about counting the points that you accrue during these various little games and torments that I inflict upon you. Mm. And at the end of each season, um, you are given a small prize based on how many points you get if you pass certain thresholds. Um, yeah, I'm and if still you, waiting for the last two I, prizes. I, I was going to say, if you've listened to any of the previous series, we will get around to that at some point, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but we haven't so far. A game! Ryan Johnson named 12 films as inspiration for Knives Out, and I want you to name them for me, Peter. Wow. Yeah, okay. I know. Um, I know. Do you remember how I said this game was ill thought out? Um, yeah, it I'll, is. It really is. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a clue. We've mentioned one of them. <laughs> um, uh, is it Clue? Yes, a Clue from 1985. Six Black Veil victims are invited to an isolated mansion by a man who knows a dark secret from each of their pasts. On arrival, each is given a pseudonym drawn from, I know you don't pronounce the P, drawn from Cluedo before being introduced to the blackmailer. Each is handed a weapon, at which point the lights are switched off and the blackmailer is killed. 
Can the guests uncover the murderer before they all become the victims? Oh, see, it's good. You got that. You got to have that little sentence with a little question mark at the end, just to. Can, can I ask a follow-up question? Um, are you sure? I um, I don't know how points will be awarded for it, but sure. Um, or a clarifying question, I guess, is would be more accurate. Uh, uh, okay. It are all the films on this list whodunits? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I don't know that I could just eat. If you're, if the question had been named 12 whodunits, I might still have struggled. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I know. Remember how I mentioned this was ill thought out? Um, it seemed like a, it seemed like a good idea at the time listeners. Um, so now you get to listen to him struggle through, um, I guess some version of Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, there you go. Murder on the Orient Express, 1974. Having concluded a case, Detective Hercule Poirot settles into what he expects will be a relaxing journey home aboard the Orient Express. But when an unpopular billionaire is murdered en route, Poirot takes up the case, and everyone on board the famous train is a suspect. Right, I, I get... Now that I've got another one, I, I feel like I should be allowed a clarifying question after getting one right. Uh, oh, all right, fine, yeah, sure. Um, um, really, really, the game is quite unstructured. You may can you may continue. All right, are there any more Poirots? Yes. Okay. Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile, nineteen seventy-eight. A Belgian sleuth has a set of murder suspects on a boat in the Nile after a rich heiress and a few others are killed. Will he be able to find the culprit before they reach port? Hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so we got we got clue and two Poirot. You're doing really well. That's three out of twelve. That's uh, uh like an F, an F, I guess. Um. Right. Uh, clarifying question: Are there any more Poirots? Um. We are out of Poirots. I although I will I will give you another clue at this point. Um. One of these films we watched while making, uh, I think, The Wager, or one of those games we worked on, and oh, it's probably Fix Fix Bang Bang, actually, and um, it sent us into a temporary state of derangement regarding one word. Oh, God. Um, yeah, yeah, that's going back back a year or two. Um, I, I, I sort of remember the situation that you're mm. talking about, but I don't remember the film or the word. Um, <laughs> Oh, God. Was it... Um... Oh, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> uh, uh, shit, what's it called? Hang on. Murder by Death. Yes, Murder by Death, 1976. Five diverse, infamous private eyes are invited to the mysterious Lionel Twain's castle for a dinner party. There, they are told that Twain plans an unsolvable murder in the house at midnight, and he will pay $1 million to the one who determines the killer. But when Twain's blind butler, Benson Mom, dies long before the deadline, the stakes go up for the trapped sleuths. Yeah, it was Benson Mom. Like, for, for some reason, uh, he's played by Alec Guinness, and, like, yeah. um, he, he says his name is, uh, his name is James Sir Benson Mom. Yeah. And, for some reason, that just clicked with us, and we were just saying that phrase over and over again. Yeah, for hours, uh, possibly even weeks, like a yeah. in a state of derangement, mm. <laughs> like a call and response. <laughs> <laughs>
um, <sighs> I, I've I've um, I've got to admit I don't think you're going to get any of the other films. Uh, oh, okay, I, to- I told you a lie earlier as well. There's one more Poirot. I didn't see it. One more Poirot. I one won't. More Poirot. It doesn't help me because I can't think of any more Poirot. Yeah, I, d- <laughs> I didn't think you'd have seen that one. <laughs> and they haven't got around to remaking it yet, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's a question. Mm. Are there any Sherlock Holmeses? No, there are no Sherlock Holmeses. Oh, well, that's a pisser. Um, <laughs> I don't um, think I'm going to get any more of these, then. There's there's another famous Agatha Christie detective. Oh, um... God, what are the other ones? There's, um... They're just not in my head at the moment. <laughs> I think I might have to... Uh, I think I might have to call it at this point. Oh, right. So you're giving up at four? Did you get four or five? Um, there were the two... Two Poirots, Clue, and, and Murder by Death. Yeah, you got four. Okay, I think I'm going to have to give up at a third of the 12 films. Okay, yeah. well then, I'm going to give you a third of a point for that. It seems very fair. Hmm. Um, the other movies uh, we've got on the list are Death Trap from 1982. Yeah, a, a block playwright plots to kill a beginner and steal his script. Inter- it's interesting that I started with um, Death Trap. Oh, it's because they're in alphabetical order. Um, because it's kind of like a remake or a reinterpretation of one of the other films on this list. Okay. Yeah. Um, next, we've got Evil Under the Sun from 1982. Hercule Poirot, a detective, goes to an exclusive island that is frequented by the rich and famous. When a murder is committed, everyone has an alibi. Yep, um, that's that's the other Poirot that um, I think people know a bit less than the others. Mm. Um, Gosford Park from 2002. Sir William McCordle and his family plan a shooting party over a weekend. Their family secrets, lies, and deceptions come tumbling out when Sir William gets murdered. I, I like Gosford Park. Gosford Park's quite good. Um... We've got Murder by Death, he did that one. Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, Sleuth from 1972. In order to divorce his wife without having to lose a fortune in alimony, Andrew joins hands with her ex-lover Milo and plans a robbery. But their personal differences stand in the way of the plan. Um, I only really found out about Sleuth fairly recently. Um, you know, like last four or five years or whatever. And it is just absolutely excellent. Um, I haven't seen it. It's, show it to me at some point. it's really good and it only has like three actors in it maybe four or five um but they're all just absolute powerhouse performances it like it's based on a play so um mm. it it's basically most of it is just these two actors playing off each other um for the entirety of the movie nice um uh the Last of Sheila. Um, this is the actually the first time I heard of this film uh, while compiling this list, uh, and then I went and watched it, and I, I quite enjoyed it. From 1973, Clinton Green invites his friends for a vocation on his cruise ship. He organizes a mystery game for all his guests. However, things turn ugly when the game changes into a true murder mystery. Ooh. Um, 
Then there's The Mirror Cracked from 1980. The Mirror Cracked with like an apostrophe uh, instead of an E. Like Cracked. Yeah. Uh, Jane Marple, a detective, is called upon to solve a case when a local woman is poisoned to death. Everyone believes the target was a visiting movie star, but the clues indicate something else. Yeah. See? The Miss Marple. Marple. She's, the, she's the other one. She's the mm. other detective. Um, and finally, The Private Eyes from 1980. When a pair of detectives start investigating mysterious death that pl- took place in a haunted house, they begin to encounter strange occurrences. All right, now I haven't watched that one yet. Um, uh, but I shall at some point and talk about it, I guess. All right. I, I feel okay about having <clears throat> withdrawn at the point I did. I would not have guessed any of those other ones. Yeah, I mean, for the new listener, one of the things that we've spoken about at length in the previous seasons is the fact that Peter has never really seen a film or, um, or, and he, he doesn't quite understand what cinema is. Um, <laughs> we he, went to the cinema together <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> and you were so frightened the whole time. <laughs> You were like, who is that blue hedgehog man? What does he want from us? <laughs> the answer is, of Wait, course, hedgehog? to sell toys. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. We've reached the point in the podcast where I have to awkwardly explain a game which has not been relevant for at least 13 episodes. Um. The first season of this show was called Here's the Thing, because it was about The Thing, the Mm. 1982 horror movie by John Carpenter, which is a really good film, like my favorite film. Um, But there's a thing about The Thing, and that's the thing where you often say the word thing as like a placeholder word. And um, because that happens a lot... um, we came up with this lunatic scheme whereby whenever someone says the word thing, but they don't mean the the movie, the monster itself, or the title of the podcast, they get a ding from a thing-dinger. Yes. Like so. Um, there. Yeah. So um, we keep these bells around for historic purposes. It's it's a tradition now, I guess, and traditions cannot be questioned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we tried to we tried to fiddle with the format slightly in season two, uh, but that didn't work at all. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so but we, I'm I'm man enough to admit my mistakes, and uh, that did not go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it was difficult with alien because we just couldn't change the word to alien because that yeah, doesn't no, come out very much in. You uh, don't, you in, don't, in, you don't say the word alien in in everyday conversation. Yeah, unless Maybe you're we could change it to the word out. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. That, that, that would be almost impossible, though, would it? Maybe uh, I don't know. Um. Let's all right. I'm I'm prepared to give it a go. Um, we'll we'll have we'll have thing and out. Um, thing and out. Uh, by the like twelfth series of this, it'll be almost impossible to say anything about anything. 
Yeah, the season season fourteen of this podcast is fifteen separate episodes of me and him all weeping on alternately dinging a bell. <laughs> We've accidentally started a cult. <laughs> Uh, maybe you can do a sort of double ding if you say something with both thing and out in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure, why not? Um, oh, oh, all right. Um, my note here says explain there are spoilers ahead, but we did that, so we're not doing it again. Um, introduce game. Okay, Peter, it's time for another game. You remember how we did a game just now and how how successful and fun that was for you and the listener and it wasn't in any way torturous and poorly thought out? Um, I remember some of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to show you a character from the movie, right? Mm. And you're going to tell me three things. Okay. Their name, like yep. the character's name, the actor or actress's name. Yes. Yeah. And what they do. Right. Mm. Um, now, what's going to happen is I'm not going to do this very well. <laughs> um, because all, despite being someone that knows this film and has seen this film, I don't really absorb names. And <laughs> yeah. also, I just don't really know who actors are. I don't pay <laughs> attention to that world. I'll know a... I'll know a few of them, but um, but I'm not going to be good at this. I I, get, I gave you a little a little cheeky hint at the head of this episode by uh, reading all of the actors and actresses who are on this out loud. So hopefully your subconscious took it in. I mean, maybe, but I I was just waiting to get to the point where I was relevant again. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just let that wash over me. That oh, bit, it's like, why, why do you just admit that you just don't listen to it when I'm talking? <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to receive file. Okay. I hate this. <laughs> Good. It's going to expose just how poorly I absorb. Oh no! Names oh no! I sent I sent you the wrong one. Don't look at that. You, you sent me the answers. Don't okay. look at that. I sent you the answers. Okay. We're, we're editing this out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to send you a file now. This is definitely the first time I've done this, and it, and mm. it's not. It's not the um. It's not the answers I'm sending you by mistake this time. It's the it's the questions. Okay. All right. So so open that. Embiggen that where you can see it. I'm yeah. I'm getting it. Oh wow, that's that's too big. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, all right, we got ten, ten characters for you to look at. So we're go we're gonna go through this quite quickly because of how oh, what what a clusterfuck these games have been so far. Um, so so who who we got who we got number one that okay. that, that fine fine elderly gentleman there. I'm gonna preface this by saying that I'm going to call most of these people by their last name. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, because it, that's much it, easier. Is it because they're all in a family? Yes. Mm. Um, okay, uh, so... The, this... Honestly, honestly, the fact that you don't get any of these answers right isn't, isn't like me being cruel um, very much. It's, it, it's just to show the listener that, you know, your mind, you're coming into this with a fresh, clear, empty brain. Yeah, so one one of the things that genuinely I I do avoid when one of these is coming up is rewatching. So you do all of the watching and the research, and I I just don't 
bother watching it if or or looking up very much about it um uh beforehand just so that i'm uh, it's just a bit fresher for me mm-hmm. going into it uh so i this character is called something thromby um <laughs> this is one uh, okay yes uh, and i'm gonna say possibly this might be a different thromby though i might get be getting them all mixed up in my head i think this one's called harlan thromby yeah there that's, you go harlan that, thromby that's my feeling about that and i feel that it's played by uh a plumber christopher plumber or, or, or he is a plumber he i can't a, remember he is a plumber. <laughs> I yeah, I I'm in, I'm enjoying the trip through your mind palace that this is taking us. <laughs> I Christopher, see the man he is a plumber. <laughs> yes. Christopher Plummer who had a long career in films. Yes, uh yeah, we we will be talking about him at some mm. point. Um, um can I just say it was it was a real treat to finally do a show with like a, a relatively big cast mm. because boy my research was easy. I just had to click through Wikipedia half a dozen times and I was done. <laughs> yes. Um what does Harlan Thromby do? Uh, Harlan Thromby is an author of murder mysteries. Mm, famous mystery novel writer and patriarch of the Thromby family. Mm. Uh, all right, who we got? Who we got? Number two, that uh, that little head cocked guy, it's little attention. I, why do we do this like visual format where I, I kind of have to describe drawings of actors? <laughs> yeah, you'll have to provide a picture of this drawing or a link to it with the yeah, podcast or something. I'm gonna say I definitely will do that, but I yeah. will not. So there's no. <laughs> there's no... Uh, so this is a picture of. Uh, Benoit Blanc. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and he's played by. This is really embarrassing because the name of the actor is who's very well known and is like James Bond and shit <laughs> has has gone out of my head at this at this moment. Just um, uh, just list Bonds until you uh, until you I, reach. I can't because I'm not even that familiar with Bonds. He certainly um, he certainly isn't George Lazenby. <laughs> uh, are, are you giving up? Ah uh, no, <laughs> shit. Um, eh, well, look, look, let me answer the other question. He's uh, a freelance detective, mm, famous gentleman sleuth, brought mm. in to investigate. Absolutely correct. Mm. Uh, and he is played by. Uh, I feel like it's just going to drop into my head at some point. All right, all right. I don't want to give I, up on it yet. I will. I will let you come back to that one. Right. Okay. All right. So who who's this this doughty fellow at number three? Uh, now this looks like um, uh, th- this looks like Ransom, mm. uh, who is played by uh, Chris Evans. Well done, yeah. Uh, the only reason I know that name is that it's also the name of a famous British. TV and radio presenter. I, I know, right? I mean, like, <laughs> like the the two men could not be more polar opposite. In yeah. all honesty, very different people. But for for that reason, that name has stuck in my head. And um, and who who is uh? He's Ransom Drysdale. He's got a surname. Okay. Um, I did and, not know the surname. And that's going to help you later on, I think. And uh, who what who or what is 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 Ransom? Uh, he is 
well, he is the uh, he. I don't know what he does actually. I actually don't know what he really does in in the family, but he's part of the family. Yeah, Han- he's Harlan's near do well grandson. Uh, a character describes him um, in the movie as like a trust fund layabout, and I think that's that's yeah, that's what he does. Okay, so he doesn't do anything. Yeah, that's he, why he I, I couldn't think what he did. Mm. Right. Okay. Uh, and uh, and we, we've got our first lady in the list here at number four. Uh, the character is called Marta Cabrera. Well done, yeah. I wondered um, if you get the surname. I, I, I wondered if you were remembering Benoit Blanc saying it. I remember that one because the name is repeated at, at various points during the film for reasons. Marta Cabrera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I am afraid I cannot remember the name of who plays Martha Cabrera. Anna de Armas. Mm. And she plays a sort of carer for Harlan. Mm. Harlan's nurse and only friend. Oh. Uh, all right, let's let's keep ticking. All right, we got a we got a lady uh, wearing a carpet and smoking a cigarette. Um, so the character name I don't remember at mm. this moment, but uh, she is. The daughter of Harlan, <laughs> and she is played by uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Well done, yeah, fantastic, Jamie Lee Curtis as Linda Drysdale, a real estate businessman and Harlan's daughter. Uh, all right, let's 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 keep ticking through the family. We got number six here, a bearded man. Hmm. This man is called. Is he called Walt or Walter? Yep, he's Walt Thromby. Mm. And I feel like the name of the actor is on the tip of my tongue, but I just I can't bring it to mind at the moment. I don't think I'm going to get it. Mm. Um, what does Walt do? Uh, oh, he handles the kind of publishing business. Yep. Of, uh, uh, of Harlan's. Well done, Michael Shannon as Walt Thromby, right. the manager of Harlan's publishing company and Harlan's son. Uh, position here, we've got a, uh, a salt and pepper guy. Um, I mean, he's got like grey hair. He's not, not you, you know what I mean. Um, and uh, and and wh- whom is this? Whom be this fellow? Uh, I don't remember the name, but he is the husband of character that we mentioned earlier. Was it Linda, did you say? Yeah, this yeah. is Don Johnson as Richard Drysdale, Linda's husband, Harlan's son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, getting, we're getting into the uh, increasingly tenuous connections here as we move further down. Three more to go. Okay, we've got, we got number eight, uh, A Lady in Pink. Right. Um... So, I don't. Well, first of all, I don't remember the name or the actor. <laughs> okay. Um, I am afraid this uh, is Tony Collette playing Joni Thromby. And I actually don't really remember kind of 
anything <laughs> yeah i don't remember who she is in in the family uh she um uh she runs a lifestyle brand yeah uh and she was married to neil who's harlan's dead son right okay. so i can i can understand why you wouldn't pick up on that if she's she's harlan's daughter-in-law who has sort of stuck around even though her husband is now dead Right. Okay. Yeah. Because the thing that I was I, it stuck in my mind about this character is that she was hanging around, but not didn't seem to be really in the family. Mm. So that that gave me pause when you said that she was a uh, a uh, thrombie, because then I couldn't think of who she was related to. But the the person that she's related to being dead that makes sense now. That, that... yeah. Neil does not appear in the film because he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> that figures now. Okay. Um, I'm so, not going to do well with any of these remains. So we'll we'll move on to the last two. Uh, we got a fellow with a mustache. Who um who who is whom be this? Well, I, look, I know that these are both <laughs> the police detectives. Oh, all right. I I will give you that they're both cops. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do not recall their names, and I do not recall who plays them either. Okay, so at nine we've got Lakeith Stanfield as Lieutenant Elliot, and uh, at ten we've got Noah Segan as Trooper Wagner. They're both right. policemen investigating the crime. That I I think that went that went well. I think that went very well. Um, it shows that you, despite your earlier confession that you've mm. been secretly researching the show on Wikipedia. <laughs> I, um, I looked up the page once and happened to notice the how much it made. Uh, that, you, that you've been uh, crawling the internet for research in advance. I didn't even remember that. <laughs> uh, hang on, hang on a second. I need to go back to the top and see if I can remember the name. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, one final question then. Do you remember who's played James Bond since 2006? Uh, I don't even watch J I don't really like James Bond, so I don't pay da any attention to it. Dan Daniel, Daniel Craig. Yeah, there you go. Fifty bonus points. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh I think you got twenty-one points during that. So okay. um add the fifty to that and you get seventy-five. Excellent. All right. Um so, so now we're definitely you're definitely well equipped to start watching the show, and as is our burden and curse, start watching we must. Do I get bonus points for pointing out that this isn't all of the characters in the show? In the, um in the no, no. I'll tell you what, yeah, you can have ten bonus points for pointing out that there are more characters in the movie than this. It's just that there are 16 characters with portraits, and I thought that that game would go on too long. Yeah. And at 10, the game went on too long anyway. So well, One of them's called Meg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another five bonus points. Right. Uh, you're at 102 points so far. You, you know there's a Meg thrombie. Yeah. <laughs> One of them's called Meg. <laughs> I'm just throwing out the scraps that my... my... Fractured memory is able to dredge up. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, um, I, I went with the closest family members first, and the cops. That was my <laughs> okay. That was my criteria for selecting people from the list. All right, so here we go.
All right, we're watching minutes zero to eight of Knives Out and uh, how this bit works. I'm only going to explain it in this one podcast because I do it every time and it's fairly obvious what's happening. Uh, so um, I read out uh, a bulleted list of action points which sum up a little thing that's happening on the screen or whatever. And if we want to talk about it, we do. Otherwise, I just keep reading and uh, we all get to go home early for tea. Um, a slight difference between this and the previous shows is that um, the first and last episodes of the show are going to be quite information dense because um, it's a murder mystery and they're trying to front load you with as much information as possible. So, you know, you know, so that you're put in the mindset of being able to see everybody, you know, and the last few episodes are them wrapping it all up. So the first car, the first episodes of this show and the last episodes are probably going to be longer and I'm going to be probably doing more talking. So if you don't like my voice, why are you listening to my podcast? Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, as we always say... A listening this- environment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, Chili, it's, uh, it's our new podcast. <laughs> we love you, listeners. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's been so aggressive. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This podcast has been like you know, uh, year sixteen of the marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, All the things that used to be endearing now just piss us off. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! You said things, and it counts because it's the plural of thing. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yeah, okay, so with that, let's listen. Um, We see a large country manor surrounded by fog with dogs running outside. Slow motion dogs. Slow motion dogs. Um, The dogs here are running from one trainer hidden out of sight to another hidden behind the camera. Um, They had a lot of trouble getting the dogs just run near the camera without going to the cameraman, so they had to build a little ramp (laughs) here to... Get them to go around the camera guy rather than straight up to him. Why do you suppose they went to all the trouble? Was it just just to give some some movement to the exterior shot they were going to yeah. linger on for a bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I plus you know dogs. Everyone likes dogs. Sure. <laughs> Inside, a woman is preparing breakfast. And over over this all, we're starting to get the uh, the soundtrack, which is done with a uh, string quartet, mm. which is uh, it's it's an interesting choice because it's done in a um, I would say the style that the string quartet is done in, I would describe as maybe kind of early twentieth century classical style. That there there are lots of different early twentieth century classical styles, but that's about where I'd place it somewhere in there. I don't know quite enough about how to distinguish the different styles to be able to place it kind of more accurately than that. Um and I was gonna say that that make that that that's fairly modern, but actually that's over a century old now. <laughs> That I, uh... so, so it does kind of give the film a bit of an old-fashioned air, as well as um, it does make the story seem a bit more self-contained than something that has maybe a big bombastic orchestral score as well. Just just four instruments. I um I, I believe they're playing in the uh, in the mezzo piano style. Uh, you can believe what you want. That's um, for, uh, I. 
I've got to confess, I, I will make up musical terms um, and, and use them at random. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting that you say that it's a sort of dated style because um, it sort of matches the decor of the house, doesn't it? It's, it's not like a modern building by any yeah. stretch. I mean, they're not laying the datedness of it on thick, because I feel like if this were something like uh, Poirot or something mm. like that, they'd evoke the uh, idea of it being in this kind of old mansion by playing something that was fairly kind of a bit more traditionally classical or something yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and this isn't doing that, but it is going with string quartet which is kind of a uh, old fashioned way of arrangement and mm. it is uh and it, 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 it is going with a style that is now i guess a century old <laughs> or more and so you you're kind of getting the vibe that this uh, this place has been around for a long time mm. the woman carries the tray through the house the camera showing us the intricate curios scattered throughout it yeah, and and again with this, you sort of get it's gently building a picture of the sort of person that might live here. It's probably mm. someone quite eccentric, and it's oh, probably God. someone who is uh, like on their own a bit as well, because mm. she's moving, she's kind of moving on her own through these big kind of empty chambers that seem mm. a bit lonely. Yeah, mm. um, um, the curious here. She- shown quickly a reference to Sleuth 1972, the film we mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. uh, the sailor in particular is um, a reference to, the, they have a very similar one in Sleuth called Jolly Jack Tar. Hmm. Uh, Sleuth is a favourite film of Ryan Johnson's um, where the main character, played by Laurence Olivier, is a successful crime writer who lives in a big house out in the woods. Uh, right. Does that sound familiar <laughs> in any way to you? It does, and I think probably if if you're sharp enough looking at these, you're probably going to guess that mm. it is at some sort of mystery author that we're there. Sure, are a lot of books here. by the same author, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and would I think we're about to get that confirmation as well. Mm. Um, here's here we get the fact that everyone knows about this movie. Uh, the portrait of Harlan Thromby uh, wasn't finished in time it was digitally added in post-production on set it was just a green screen and a frame um the fact that it wasn't going to be ready in time let them play around with the portrait a little in subsequent scenes you got to keep an eye out for the portrait because it changes <laughs> i didn't know that about this film so mm. you can point that out to me uh, i did and i have I mean, when the changes happen, you can point that. Oh, oh, okay. Well, um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep an eye out for it. <laughs> she takes the trap to a bedroom which hasn't been slept in, calling out, "Good morning, Mister Thromby." Okay. So hopefully, we've figured out that yeah, it is the author of these books that we're mm. dealing with. And we've got a note here that the uh, the art director Jeremy Woodward had to figure out the entire canon of Thromby's work, <laughs> which was. For four decades worth of books, uh, <laughs> with the book jackets like based on mystery and thriller novels of the time, yeah. and like how they change from decade to decade, and I would love to see them all. Honestly, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, you know how they like think of Stephen King. Obviously, you know the books have started. You know, in the nineties, it would be like a black book 
with a knife on the cover and blood and how that, yeah. that has oh and the title would be in silver text embossed above the <laughs> above the page absolutely yeah and how that's changed now because obviously he's still publishing in the mid up to 2019 which is when i think the film is set <laughs> yeah so um do you, did you have do you happen to have a list of some of those uh, uh, book titles oh i i don't uh but i will i've got one somewhere but i don't have it to hand i will get i'll get some for the later ones uh, a lot of them a lot of them are kind of in jokey titles that refer to the plot of the movie <laughs> that's fun <laughs> which is nice uh let me make a note of that um she takes the tray along the hall and kicks the wainscoting which opens a hidden door and goes upstairs again i am um, I learned the word wainscoting, and I will use it here. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I kind of like this detail um, mm. uh, where it's she's not alarmed at this point. It's a it's a little unusual not to find him in uh, in bed. But... Yeah, this is this is a thing he's doing all the time. We're we're getting the picture of Harlan as an eccentric guy. Yeah, uh, from all of the the cute but weird little curios he's got around the house. And the fact that he's not slept in his bed overnight, but she's like, okay, well, he must be here then. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, wainscoting is like wooden paneling. Um, okay, look, you're only going to be able to get so much mileage out of your knowledge of the word wainscoting. I uh, now, now I'm now I've decided to use it in every episode. <laughs> Uh, listeners, if you ever hear me use the word wainscoting again, um, write my name and address on a £5 note and put it in a post box. <laughs> Look, this wainscoting ploy of yours isn't going anywhere. <laughs> the, the wainscoting ploy by... Um, I couldn't think of the name of a famous mystery author and I realised I could have just said Harlan Thrombey. Harlan Thrombey I, yeah. I could have just... Fuck yeah. me. Uh, uh, podcast is over. Right Sorry, I'm going, I'm going. I'm going, guys. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye now. Bye. Ah, uh, they wrote in and they wanted me to come back. Um, um, she enters the study at the top of the house, and we see from her point of view an elderly man dead on a sofa, a pool of blood from his neck, and a knife on the carpet. <gasps> a murder this early in a murder mystery? Yeah, I really like this because otherwise there wouldn't be a film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, they had to digitally edit some of the blood out to ensure they got a PG thirteen rating. Uh-huh. Um, it was much more. It was much more gory originally. Um, and Peter, I I know that I keep rewarding you with games continuously. Um, oh, good. <laughs> rewarding this this one goes on throughout the whole season. Ooh, okay. Uh, we're playing a game called Real Room or Set. And how that works is you have to tell me whether this is a real build, a real room in a real building somewhere, or whether it's a set that they built on a soundstage specifically for the production. Ooh. Hmm. So this little study that they're in at the top of the house, all those books, is this a real room or a set? Just thinking about how else it's used. Okay, I'm going with real room. This is a set. Um, this room was built... Uh, and the little stairs leading up to it also were built on a soundstage, um, basically because it's quite a tight, close little room, and they couldn't get all the stuff in it and have room to put the camera in. 
because like they say when you've got the camera you've also got like the dolly on the floor that the camera will be running in running along and like three or four camera operators yeah i should have um, thought of that it's too i mm. should have thought too small to be a real room but i didn't mm. think of that um Okay, so everyone, anyone who's keeping track of the score, remove fifty points from him, from him. That's, is that how this works? Um, I don't know. No, she, she almost drops the tray in alarm, but catches it. Mm. Um, uh, go on. No, please. Uh, I was just going to say, I think that the the catch here is is pretty interesting. Um, uh, to me, I, I've thought about this a couple of times when I've watched this now, and I think it's like that there's a part of her that while she's obviously shocked at the murder is worried about catching shit from the family for making a mess as well still at this point i'm i'm that's an interesting take uh but for me i i think i read it just as a a subversion of the usual horror uh, mm. you know murder mystery trope where like the maid comes in and sees the um sees the dead body and screams and throws the jug of water or the plates on the floor. Mm. And I think what it's saying is this is an updated version of that because like, you know, in a Victorian thriller, like a lady sure did faint a lot in Victorian thrillers, uh, right. uh, dead away. And like Fran, for, for, for it is she who has come into the room, um, is like a modern woman. This is a horrifying scene, but you know, she just not, she lets go of it momentarily, but then catches it. Mm. Um, but your interpretation is also quite valid. Um, though the, I think the family are nicer to Fran. Fran always seems like a member of the family, even though she's not. Hmm. I don't know. Well, all right. We'll talk about that later as it yeah. comes up more. Um, fun fun fact: all the stuff on the tray is wired in place with little strings, so it'll topple but won't fall off. <laughs> <laughs> I expect that's um that's something you want to do if you definitely want to be able to retake this later. <laughs> yeah. The screen fades to black and the title card Knives Out appears. Now, Knives Out, uh, obviously the name of a Radiohead song. My word, I uh, I hadn't known that. Mm. Yes, uh so that's just a phrase I imagine that appealed to, <laughs> to, to Ryan Johnson. Mm. Um. Yeah. Uh, no, the uh, only thing I have to add about Knives Out is that I, in one of the first jobs I had, I worked with someone who occasionally did uh, a little bit of DJing and was once DJing for a, um, uh, for just. I think it was like uh, just an old people's home or something when uh, right. uh, at around the same time that album came out and he decided to just put that song on and they just carried on dancing happily. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, fine to them. I haven't heard it, but I I have heard Radiohead songs. And <laughs> um, uh, so that that's the only <laughs> anecdote that I have about that song. Um, all the music also sort of builds to a little crescendo here, like ending with a sort of violin swoop. Mm. Um, is is that the right word? Yeah, violin swoop. That's 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 correct. Great. Okay, good. I I award myself ten points. Um, we cut to a young woman suddenly waking up in bed, alarmed. She looks distraught. We get a title card. 
one week after Harlan Thromby's demise. Good use of demise. Mm. Mm. We cut to her kitchen. Her mother and younger sister are there, two of them using laptops. Um, this, uh, this location filming here was uh, filmed in a neighborhood in Boston near where the gangster Whitey Bulger lived. Um, I, I haven't looked up anything about him, so if he's like a fucking monster or something, don't, don't come at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just a fact. They mentioned it <laughs> in the director's commentary. Okay. Uh, her sister is watching the end of a murder mystery her mother shouts at her to stop watching it and to be more sensitive uh, Pete do you recognize the voice on the TV uh, I didn't pay close attention to it so no mm. it's, um, it's, it's the cameo for Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, he's playing detective hard rock <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah he doesn't appear in the movie except in um uh, you know this little cameo here, but he has he he works with Ryan Johnson on a lot of movies. So oh, okay, yeah, he's, uh, he's in Looper, for example. Um, I see. Yeah. As Marta tells her sister, she can finish watching the show. She gets a call from Walt Thromby, Harlan's son. Mm. Uh, her phone is cracked and broken. This means that she's poor, Peter, because she can't afford to get a new phone. This is visual storytelling. Film is a visual medium. All right. (laughs) (laughs) He asks her to come to the house as the police have questions for everyone. Her reaction is a little bit um, alarmed. Yeah, I I didn't make a note of that, but yes, she doesn't seem that settled by by this. Doesn't seem thrilled by the idea of having to answer more questions about this situation. Perhaps that will become relevant later. (laughs) I think that'll become relevant in episode two. Um, We cut to her arriving in her car at the house. Um, This shot here was filmed with a drone. Uh, Drone shots are fun because they let filmmakers have access to a whole branch of new aerial shots that they couldn't get without hiring a helicopter before. Um, the exterior here is a Gothic revival mansion built in 1890 and located just south of Boston. Um, but the interior scenes were filmed at the Ames mansion, a 1920s mansion located in Massachusetts borderland state park. Mm. Mm. It's, uh, it's always fascinating to me. I understand why they do it, but it's always fascinating to me that the exteriors and interiors aren't necessarily the same thing in, in films. And, uh, just trying to make them seem like they are just it's the yeah technique behind that is all baffling to me it's it's a real fun thing isn't it where they they try and make it seem like these are contiguous places but um they are shot on different days and different places thousands thousands of miles apart seems so difficult Mm. um meg thromby meets her outside She's indignant at the police thinking of Marta as part of the help. Yeah, and I feel like this is the first of many examples that we get in the film of these kind of shows of kindness from the family towards Marta that end up being pretty surface level. Yeah, no, exactly. They are... um... 
they like Marta, but not enough to really go out of their way in any way. Right. <laughs> they they say the words, but they don't do the actions. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Johnson comments here that if you watch carefully throughout the movie, which I guess we're going to be doing, uh, the leaves on the trees come and go fairly randomly, depending on what point in the filming they were at. Because, uh, of course, they filmed it over, you know, three months. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose this is why you can get away with things like uh, the exterior being completely different from the interior, because unless you're paying super close attention, mm. you just accept it. Your brain just goes, fine. Mm. They're, they're tree, you know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they do a lot to cover it as well, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Marta says she's not doing well, and Meg tells her she's part of the family, and they'll give her anything she needs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Meg, uh, Meg is probably the nicest thromby, um, but yeah. they are they uh, yeah, yeah. But that that is sort of like still saying the nicest snake in the barrel. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right, yeah. It turn we will discover that they all mm. have their limits. <laughs> yeah. And they aren't that big a limit. Yeah. For some of them at least. Um inside the house, Marta meets Linda and Richard, who tell her that their son Ransom isn't coming. Right. And uh I think this is the also the first example where we get um Linda saying that uh, Marta should have been at the funeral, but was yeah. outvoted. <laughs> yeah, Linda. Linda says she thought Marta should have been at the funeral, but was out. But she was outvoted, and it seems sincere here because mm. this is the first time we hear a character say it. Yes, and I have a feeling we might hear more of a thromby say this as the show goes on. Yeah, so you're starting to get these little just examples of the the family. They seem at least like them. They're being nice to her. Mm, mm. They, uh, they aren't. <sighs> yeah, I mean, Linda gives her a hug and everything. You know, yes. uh, at this point. Um, here we find out that Ransom also missed the funeral, which, uh, you know, you wouldn't miss your grandfather's funeral unless something important came up. Surely, perhaps we find later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, real room or set, Peter? Real room or set? Uh, are we talking about just in the inside hallway? Yeah. I feel like that's probably a real room, because that's real quite big. Real room! It's the actual interior of the Ames Mansion. Mm. So it's literally, if you walk through the door, this is where you are. All right. Uh, but of course, the Ames Mansion is not the building that we saw. <laughs> Although it represents the exterior of the Thromby House. Indeed. Or. Trooper Wagner calls Linda in for a chat with him and Detective Lieutenant Elliot. Um, I'm not really sure what to call the room that they're in. Like, all of the rooms in Harlan's house are kind of weird, except the bedroom. I, I was like, this is the library, or the study, or the writing room, maybe. Yeah, I, I would have maybe called it the library. I, yeah. I, would, I would go with the library because it's like got books on the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's full of books <laughs> and of knives. Books <laughs> as many uh, as, as many, many urban library libraries do. Many libraries, uh yeah. 
your library, your local library might be. I don't know. You, I, I, I forgot to bring it up earlier, but obviously the, another reason that we went with Knives 8 as our third series is your long-established obsession with <laughs> knives. I don't... I'm not obsessed with knives. Yeah, I mean, the amount of time I've been on a call with you <laughs> and you've had to say, oh, hang on a minute, there's a knife in my bed. Um, <laughs> It's more than once, <laughs> I can tell you. I just I just like to open parcels. <laughs> I just like to be near knives <laughs> at all times. If if there isn't a knife nearby, I don't feel settled. Um <laughs> oh god, that's that's gonna be repeated at my fucking trial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um real room or set, Peter, real room or set. This oh, feels I was going to say, this feels big enough to be a real room. Well done, it is another real room, um, another real location, uh, but this isn't inside the Ames Mansion, it's filmed in another nearby mansion. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to need you to come up with a jingle for real room or set. <laughs> <laughs> here we see Linda, Elliot and Wagner, uh, and uh, Benoit Blanc is here, but he's out of sight, you don't see him at this point. Yeah, I think you see his legs. Mm, you can see a leg. It. Yeah. Linda sits in front of a large circle of knives with a title card appearing for her name. Um, the They went back and forth on the title cards. They were like very late into production. They were added. Uh, but Ryan Johnson was like, we just need something to help people. <laughs> just another little clue. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first watched this because they started doing a few uh, of these interviews mm. kind of interspersed with each other as we'll start yeah. to see here. I I wondered whether the whole film was going to be done in this format. Yes, yeah, so go on. I, it's, I was going to say it sort of appears like a like a mockumentary at this point. Right. And it becomes quickly apparent that it isn't going to be that way. Mm. But uh, I, th- I always thought it w- that it would be a really interesting format for a whodunit to just be a string of interviews in this <laughs> done in this manner. Um. So, um, uh, the note here I've got is this is the difficult bit of the movie. Uh, Ryan Johnson explains that everyone who read the script says this the script is amazing, but like. Boy, the first thirty pages are rough. Um, <laughs> so that's why they added the little like things that were like anything to help people get through this, like you know, this huge chunk of information that we have to front load before right. the film can happen. Um, filming for this particular scene um, was going to take so long because obviously they're bringing in lots of different characters and new stuff that um, they actually set up lights outside, which they tried to avoid doing. They just tried to use natural light for most of the film where possible. Right. Um, but a thing they had to do as well, because Linda is wearing glasses is um, set up a, a, a light in front of the camera above her head in the shape of a window so that it casts the right window shaped reflections on her glasses. <laughs> I was like, the stuff that you have to pay attention to and think about when making a film. Yeah. It it seems almost impossible. It's a lot of work. Um, the family 
of the Thrombies are all named after 70s rock stars to help Brian Johnson remember their names while writing the script. Okay. Uh, Joni is Joni Mitchell. Neil is Neil Young. Uh, Richard and Linda are Richard and Linda Thompson. Uh, Walter and Donna are Walter Becker and Donald Fagan from Steely Dan. Ah, yes. Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Uh, and of course, uh, Ben Blanc's first name is uh, Steely. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Linda explains the setup with appropriate flashbacks. Uh, so as you said here, we're sort of interspersing the interviews between person talking in the present and their view of events in a flashback. Mm. The family was all in the house for Harlan's 85th birthday. All the family was there, and Fran, the housekeeper, and Marta, Harlan's nurse. Ransom left early. Um, so where do they say that Marta is from th- this time? Uh, Ecuador, I think. Ecuador, right. Ecuador, okay. yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they say next time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah keep, keep, keep track. If you're listening at home, keep track of when, where the family think Marta is from. <laughs> um, it was actually quite difficult to film um, this particular sequence because... Um, it, they're filming in a private home. That's what the the big mansion is. So um, they had all the crew with little plastic booties over their shoes to protect the floor. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, oh, at this point, a piano key is played, showing us a man lounging in an armchair behind Detective Elliot, who moves on to a different question. Um, who who is this masked man? He's not masked. He's just in a chair but uh but he uh the key plays on the piano is an f key peter uh it's an a key um i in my notes it says it's an f okay but it's an a key oh. uh, it, it <laughs> cannot be an f key uh from the way that it looks on the screen and also <laughs> i played my a key after looking at it and and it's that note it's it's an a key it sounds like an a and it is an a on screen as far as i can see it's a little bit of a weird angle so it's not definite but it looks like an a and i believe is an a uh, listener if you're just tuning in at this point i'm in deliberately antagonizing peter for my own amusement <laughs> yes we had a lengthy conversation before we started recording about what key this is and i just want to firmly establish that it's an a Look, someone on the internet, like in in an unverified source, says that it's an F. And who look, am I to trust you over them? Look, I'm willing to say I could be wrong, and maybe it's a G just because of the weird angle it does. It's not completely clear. But the one note of all notes that it isn't actually, there's lots of notes that it isn't. <laughs> but but it definitely isn't an F. It makes no <laughs> F makes no sense here. <laughs> Not everyone arrived at the party at the same time. Hang on, hang on. Before we move on from this, um, <laughs> is it? So, are you going to talk about F again? Well, no, no. Let's talk about the the piano key being played in the first yeah, place. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because um, this is the really the first thing that uh, our detective uh, Benoit Blanc does in the film, right? Uh, and. I've seen different people say what the, what they think the reason that he plays the note is, but I, mm. I wonder whether you had any perspective on on, on on why this happens at this point. 
if you if you watch it closely, whenever he plays the note, uh, Detective Elliot asks the same question to the uh, the people he's interviewing. So it's just sort of like a reminder for him to get him to ask this one question, which is, um, what time did you arrive at the party? Because mm. he's trying to establish if everybody, you, you, basically if there was some time where someone could have been like, haha, I am doing something else suspiciously now. Mm. I was wondering whether it was something so that uh, if he listened back to the recording, he'd hear, oh yes, <laughs> that's an important thing. I, I I hope so. Oh, uh, maybe that could solve our editing woes. If uh, if whenever we need to do an edit, you could simply press the F key on your piano. Uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will happily press the F key on my piano, but it won't sound like that note that you heard <laughs> on Knives Out. Not everyone arrives at the party at the same time. Uh, Richard has arrived early to help with the caterers. Um, we find out that Linda runs a real estate company in Boston, where Richard also works. Her quote is, it's my company. He works mm -hmm. there. Um, Linda was very close with her father, with whom she had her own secret way of communicating. She says you had to find a game to play with him. Mm. Um, now, when she said this, and uh, more important later. Um, uh, I, I, the th the way she said it and w what she says made what actually happens pop into my head. We could talk about this. Harlan um, and Linda communicate via like notes written in Invisible Ink because you know uh, he's a mystery thriller guy, and that's you know the sort of game he would enjoy. So when she's saying you had to find a game with him, that's the one that they've picked. Right. Um, and it will come up later. Um, but I think there's also like a hint of regret in the way that she talks about this as well. Yeah. She didn't have a more kind of direct relationship. Oh yeah. 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 With, with her father and that things had to be done in this kind of weird way. I, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, they're all very, I'm going to say independent, but I'm using that word quite wrongly. Um, <laughs> th they're all fiercely independent, except in that they are deeply tethered to Harlan's purse strings. Right. They'd, they'd like to think of themselves. Yeah, as... they, they all think of themselves yeah. as self-made men and women, but they are not. <laughs> they are absolutely not, and no. they are very dependent on... Yeah. Harlan, and I mean, think that becomes much more important later. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we switch to Richard in the same chair, a title card introducing him. He says, well, everyone idolizes their dad, right? Uh, immediately, everyone disagrees, and Richard is like, <laughs> yes, I, I also disagree. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I, I quite like that whole six, that section. <laughs> it's quite funny, and it, I guess it yeah, I think it's kind of uh, lampshade hanging the uh, the whole thing of people just saying 
these things mm-hmm. which are kind of uh, they, they sound <laughs> they sound acceptable when you say them but when you oh, actually yeah. think about them for more than about a second it's nonsense oh yeah it's it's yeah. it's it fits into that general category of platitudes that people say yeah. in certain situations where like you actually go, hang on no <laughs> like, sorry the you know entirety of human experience is much more than the the stead little phrase that you've trotted out there Right. Uh, if you think about it for even a brief moment, it's nonsense. <laughs> uh, in the flashback, Harlem receives his birthday cake with Linda and Richard lovingly standing behind him. Um, it's. Uh, we will talk about this more in episode two, but it's really interesting to me. A thing that this movie plays with is um, every single person in it who experiences a flashback is an unreliable narrator. They mm. are like, it is, it is the events from their point of view. And, um, well, all of the thrombies are really self-centered. So right. we've, we've seen that, uh, Harlan's getting a birthday cake and Linda and Richard are like, just standing there with him. And like, maybe some of the other family might remember the events of the night differently. <laughs> right. Um, Richard says that Linda loved him. And Elliot says that uh, all of Harlan's children seem like self-made overachievers. Hmm. And that brings us to the end of eight minutes. So it's uh, it's we cut right in the middle of the word, but I thought I'd just you know he says over uh, and I was like, well, our achievers, fine, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. it's it's quite clear what he's going to say. Um, Fair uh, enough. Yeah. So uh, I would say. Uh, in terms of the eight-minute chunks that we've uh, established in these films so far, this kind of cuts off in the middle of stuff. It's not very mm. clean. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. A, it's not a great one. But like, um, as I mentioned earlier, the format of this movie is kind of like there are thirty minutes of like desperately cramming information into you. Uh, then there's a uh, a movie, and then there's thirty minutes of denouement. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we are right into the information cramming at the mm. moment. There's a, a lot has already been conveyed. Uh, there's still a bunch more left to be conveyed. Um, I think one of the things that I really like about the Who Done It in general is just the way that it passes out just so much information at you mm. at the beginning that um, it's it's deliberately confusing and uh as i say i don't tend to be someone who tries to figure it out as i go or whenever i do i kind of give that up quite early <laughs> on into it because at some point i'm like okay there's bound to be five vital things that i didn't even pay attention <laughs> to by this point so i might as well not bother and just in- enjoy the ride but i just kind of like the uh I, I really, even though they they can be tough to get through because it's just so much information, I do enjoy the kind of setup phase of these films. Yeah, and um, and one of the things I talk about is like when you come into any film, there's sort of like a grace period that the viewer has where yeah. like you you are coming in blind like you know if right. it's not a sequel or something then you have no idea of what the like you might have read the synopsis or whatever but like y- they are 
they are a blank slate they are building from. Yes. So you get like a grace. Ryan Johnson was like, he's fully aware there's like a grace period at the start of the movie where um, you are allowed to give the viewer information and they will stick with the movie throughout that period. So yeah. he's like, that's why at the start we're just trying to front load you with everything you need to know. It's like, like just cramming it all into you and you're going, oh, all right, oh, okay, fine. Uh, yep, yep, murder writer, dead, all this stuff, terrible family, right, right on it. And then, then the film will kick into gear. Mm. I suppose it's it's interesting that you you kind of stuck with that problem over and over again with a um with a murder mystery film that becomes a series as this will yeah. um because uh all that you introduce in the first film that is kept really is the detective right and you're gonna have to start again with the whole setup of the murder and the characters involved and the location and all of the other details that you're starting again from a blank blank slate in the subsequent uh, films i mean that's that's fairly common for Mm -hmm. like what becomes detective series though i mean like like poirot like um uh, the poirot books he's often it's just Poirot and he just recruits a bunch of like randos nearby to help him solve, yeah. solve whatever's happening. But in the, in the ITV adaptation, which is like the longest running one, the one with David Suchet as Poirot, um, he kind, they kind of edited it a bit to give him, uh, Arthur, I say Hastings, I didn't I say without making it sexy. That's uh, <laughs> wow. That's, uh, <laughs> Uh, for some re- sorry listeners I'll give you a bit of context there uh, uh, like whenever I've tried to do that previously I've um, uh, I can't I can't do it without putting like a sleazy spin on it <laughs> yeah, see, try, try it again I see no see, yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> immediately immediately uh, goes from like um, naive army captain to uh, degenerate spiv uh, <laughs> 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 I see oh, oh, oh. um <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to uh, I'll have to slide the rating on this episode up to mature for <laughs> rated M for I says. Yeah. Uh, um what were we talking about? Uh you were talking about different characters being introduced. Yeah. Yeah, he gets he gets in in that series he gets uh Miss Lemon, his um secretary and Arthur Hastings, his um dog's body <laughs> Hastings is just like his live-in pal um, mm. <laughs> who, who helps him solve cri- I say helps him solve crimes he, he's there as the um, the cutout for the audience yeah. so Poirot can be like oh, oh I, I am Poirot I figured it out I suppose it would be interesting to see how they handle the introduction of a detective mm. in, in subsequent uh, it, well, in the sequel that's, uh, yeah. that's upcoming, uh, because yeah, because we, we know haven't about even Blanc, really huh? really had the introduction of the detective yet mm. in, in this. Really, we've had yeah. him play a piano key. That's it, an F, I believe. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not doing this. <laughs> you're, not, you're not rising to. <laughs> no. I mean, the whole podcast. <laughs> no, oh God, no. Oh, I'll have to find another guest. <laughs> oh, oh god we've got callbacks and in jokes this is great <laughs> um all right so so after each episode i ask you the traditional questions who's infected peter 
Um, who, who's infected, Peter? Who is infected here? Which of the characters seen so far is infected? I would say that all of the family are infected with an over-reliance on the success of Harlem Thromby. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to point out is is that we're we're dropping that question. It was it was okay. relevant. It was relevant for the last two movies we watched, but un- unless I- I'll tell you what, at the end of each each eight minute segment, if you think someone is infected, you can just say say that and why. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> um. Uh- Benoit Blanc is infected with a thirst for the truth. So we get a new question now, um, and and it is this, and you're going to be asked it perhaps 16 times. Um, if you were seeing this movie for the first time, who do you think the murderer is, and how did they do it? Um... Uh, okay, that's an interesting one. It uh, is. So I think the person who at this point just raised my suspicions a little bit um is possibly linda mm. uh just because the way that she replies to the i'm i'm sorry for your loss and says thanks that means a lot <laughs> seems really insincere and i think there are maybe mm. reasons that it seems insincere that uh not to do with her wanting to kill yeah uh, her father or whatever uh, but i think possibly that would have just given me a tingle of suspicion her way mm. um and how would she have done it uh i'm going to say with a knife to the throat <laughs> that, that, that seems like the most likely way oh, all right okay Oh, that's good. That's good. I I like this. I I want to see I want to see how your reasoning evolves as we move through the episodes. All right. Um what happens next? This is uh this is a, an interesting question. Um I think that we start getting some interviews from Walt <laughs> next. Walt's going to come into the picture pretty soon now, I believe. Right. Uh, and uh, another thing that happens fairly soon from now, maybe the second or third time that it happens, when a piano key is played, one of them is going to ask who that is uh, in the back there, and we're going to get a proper introduction to Benoit Blanc. Okay. I think uh, that's probably going to happen in the next uh, eight minutes, I'm going to say. I've got it here. We interview Walt, and when the third piano key is played, someone asks who Blanc is, and he's introduced. What, um, what are you thinking of the film so far? The first eight minutes. Just the eight-minute chunk. Like I say, I really like how these sorts of films front load information. I think it's exciting and uh, uh, and, and interesting and gets your brain worrying, even if it's not actually providing you with any answers. Mm. Um, and uh, I just think that the there's an interesting mixture between modern feeling and old fashioned feeling that it's, it's it's playing with here, which I really really enjoy. Yeah. Um, 
it's doing some kind of subtle work, or at least at the moment, it, it's subtle. In, in hindsight, it's a bit less subtle, but at the moment, hmm. it feels subtle. Set up of some of the themes that we're going to come across later on in in, in the uh, in, in the film. Yeah, there's, there's, there sure is a lot to think about in these first eight minutes. There's a lot, mm. a lot of stuff being thrown at us. So let's let's try and keep our brains intact. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, listener, we reach the end of this episode, first episode of season three. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcast at eightminutemovies.co.uk. And uh, if you like the show. Uh, you should tell a friend about the show or leave a comment on wherever service you listen to it because um, that will drive hashtag engagement with the algorithm and uh, enable me to get sponsorship. And and that's that that I've been quite clear about this from the start. All I, I'm only in this for the money. Um, mm. So far, we've made no money. <laughs> Listeners, you've really got to start uh, start pulling your weight around here. Hashtag hostile listening environment. Yeah, I mean, he uh, promised me that if I had to talk to him this much, eventually there'd be money involved. <laughs> and so far, so so far, you've let us down. Uh, yeah. We we are your fathers, disappointed in you. No, God, I can't, <laughs> I can't end the podcast with that. <laughs> um, oh God, well, we're we're almost two hours in. Let's bring this train wreck to a conclusion. Um, where where can you be found on the interweb, Pete? Right, yes, I can be found at uh, various social media venues with the name Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the bird and pie like the irrational number. And I am Kieran J. Walsh on The Twitters. And with that, we end episode one of Knives 8. Yeah. Get out of here, listeners. Go on, listen to the other podcast that you prefer. Oh God! No, don't don't tell them to do that. <laughs> Good, goodbye. We love you, listeners. We're sorry about the things we said about you. We love you. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>